My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about contentment. Now, that's not a topic that we hear addressed very often, and yet it probably should be, because contentment is probably one of those things that we all struggle with. So I hope today this program will be a blessing to you. Amen and amen. Thank you for leading us in that worship, and thank you guys for being in church today. If you'll open your Bibles, please, the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. In just a few minutes, I want us to look at a verse, but before we see that verse, I want to share a quote with you that I read a few weeks ago that I just can't quite get out of my mind. In fact, this quote is so good that we have printed it in the bulletin so that you can have it. And when I was originally preparing this sermon, this quote was going to be the introduction of the sermon. And yet, the more I got to working on this sermon, I thought, you know, this quote doesn't just need to be the introduction of the sermon. This quote needs to be the sermon itself. So consider yourself blessed. Today, you're only getting the introduction of the sermon, and I think it'll be better this way, actually. But anyway, the quote was given by a man who lived about 100 years ago in London, England. He was a wonderful Christian man. He was a well-known writer in his day. He wrote some fiction, wrote some poetry. He was what we would call a lay minister. In other words, even though he was not a full-time pastor, from time to time he would go to churches in different places and he would preach. And his name was G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton. And in one of his writings, he was talking about being content in life and being satisfied in life with what you have. And here's what he said. He said, there are two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and more. And the other is to desire less. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. In your life and in my life, there are two ways to get enough. Enough what? Enough money, enough fame, a big enough house, a newer, a newer car. There are two ways to get enough. One is to just keep accumulating more and more. But the other way is simply to desire less. And so what I want us to think about in this message today, how can we desire less? In other words, I think that's the real question. How can we come to a place in our lives where we desire less and less? And the answer to that question is by being satisfied with what we already have. Yesterday when I was rewriting this sermon and I was thinking about what I've just said, how can we desire less? Well, the answer is by being satisfied with what we already have. Listen to these three sentences and see if you don't agree with these. Most of us would enjoy our lives more if we could learn to be satisfied with what we already have. If you believe that, say amen. There's a lot of truth in that. That does not mean that God doesn't have more for us in the future. It just means that today, in the present, He wants us to be satisfied with what we have. Now, 
as children of God, He is our Father. He's always going to give us what we need and even more than what we need. And so God is always leading us onward. And so today, if you're here, and I'm saying to you, the way to, to, to be satisfied is just to be grateful for what you've already have. Well, you may be thinking, John, I live in an apartment, and I would really prefer to own my own home. Or maybe you're thinking, I own my home, or we own our home, uh, but it's a small home, and we would really like a bigger home. Well, or maybe you're thinking, I would really like a newer car. The car I've had, I've had it for a long time, and if I could just have a newer car, then I would be content, then I would be satisfied. What I'm saying is, if it... If it's God's will for you to have a house instead of an apartment, if that's the desire of your heart, some people want to live in an apartment because they don't want to have to keep up with a house. But if you say, I want a house, or I want a bigger house, or I really feel like I need a newer car, I believe that if that is a legitimate need, eventually, one way or the other, God's going to meet that need. But what I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make today, the way to be content, the way to be satisfied, the way to be fulfilled in life today is to say, you know what, one day I may get a bigger house, one day I may have a newer car, but today, July the 29th, 2018, I am satisfied with the house I'm living in, I'm satisfied with the car I'm driving, I'm satisfied with the job I have, I'm satisfied with the material blessings God has given me. Yes, certainly one day God probably will give me more, but today... Right now, I'm satisfied with what God has. I drive a 2007 Toyota 4Runner, and I just love this car. This coming Wednesday, on August the 1st, my car will turn 11 years old. It's my, it'll be the 11th birthday for my car. And I just love it. And I don't, you know, if I'm ever going to go somewhere very far, I would normally fly. And so my car is mainly for around town going into Houston. I've taken some trips, you know, but most of those trips would be flying. So I don't put a lot of miles on my car. In fact, right now my car has about 78,000 miles on it at the 11-year mark. So that's not a lot of miles. But when you've had a car for 11 years, you know, sometimes you think, well, you know, 11 years, that's a long time to have a car. And maybe I should trade the car in and get a newer car. Well, I've kind of think about that from time to time. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine. She and her husband are wonderful Christian people, and she drives a Toyota 4Runner. Mine's kind of black, and hers is silver. I mean, it is just fine looking. And I was coveting her car the other day when I was looking at it, and I said to her, I said, I really like your car. I said, how long have you had that? She said, oh, John, I've had this car so long. And, and she said, for many, many years, which surprised me because she's taking care of it so well. And she said, would you believe that my car has almost 300,000 miles? on it. So I'm not real good in math, but I was trying to prorate that out in my mind. And I thought, well, you know, at that rate, I could drive my car for 33 more years. <laughs> and I thought I wouldn't have to buy another car till I'm 81. And, and you know, at 81, when I get ready to buy my new car, I don't really need 44 years. I'm not going to live to be 125. If I could just get 22 years out of the car, take me to about 103, and then uh, that'd probably be about enough driving for anybody. But I thought, now, you know, I've driven my car 11 years, and I love my car. When I looked at her car, I thought, I really like her car. And then she said, she's got nearly 300,000 miles on my car. 
What I'm saying is, am I going to drive my car for 33 more years? No, I'm probably not. But somewhere between 33 more years and trading it in tomorrow would probably be how God would have me to live. What I'm saying is the way to be happy, the way to be content is to be thankful for what you already have and not just always be wanting more and more and more and more. And so today... This entire sermon is about contentment, about being satisfied with your current job. It may not be perfect, but it's the job God has for you, your current place of living, your current car, your current circumstances, and not always to be thinking, I'll be happy if this happens, or I'll be happy when that happens. But no, in other words, we need to say, I'm happy, first of all, because I have Jesus Christ in my life, and I'm also happy because He has given me what I need at this present time. Now, in John chapter 10, there's just one verse in John 10 we're going to look at today. It's the ninth verse, and notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. And so Jesus is saying, hey, Everybody wants to go to heaven, and everybody can go to heaven. The door is open to everybody, but there's only one door, and I'm that door. And Jesus says, if you will come to me, then I will save you, I will forgive you, and I will take you to heaven when you die. But notice, he didn't just say, the person who comes to me is going to be saved. He then said, that person will come in and go out and will find pasture. And so it's talking about freedom in our life. We're going to go in, we're going to go out, we're going to be able to move around. We're having freedom and find pasture. Now that word pasture, it's describing the fact that in Christ, we have the complete provision for everything we need. And so the application of this, that house you're living in, that job where you're working, that car that you're driving, that money that you have saved away, none of that may be as much or as good as you wish it were or as new as some other people's is, but that is the pasture that God has placed you in right now. I wrote this down yesterday when I was thinking about you know, being content and being in God's pasture. And I wrote these words, you have to learn to be content. Now listen to this, in your part of God's pasture. You have to learn to be content in your part of God's pasture. You see, when I first started looking at that lady's forerunner the other day in silver and shiny and how good it looked, I began to be a little bit envious. But when I learned more about her car, I thought, good night. She's got nearly 300,000 miles. I've got 78,000 miles. Actually, my car's better than her car. But so many times in life, we look at what other people have what they drive, where they live, where they work, who they're married to, their family situation, their financial situation. And we say, if I only had that, or if I could ever have something like that, then I would be happy. And yet the scripture teaches just the opposite. Your happiness doesn't come by accumulating more and more and more. Your happiness and contentment comes by learning to be satisfied with what you already have. And so the question today is, are you content? Are you satisfied? Or are you one of those people that says, no, I need the newer model. I need the bigger house. I need the better job. Well, God wants us to be content. So if you would, turn to Philippians chapter number 4. Because anytime I think about contentment, 
I always think about the Apostle Paul. Because in Philippians chapter 4, he uses that word content. And he tells us that he has come to a place in his life where he has learned to be fulfilled. He has learned to desire less and to be satisfied and to be content. And so I want you to look, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 11. Philippians 4 and verse number 11. And Paul said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be, what's the next word in your Bible? Say it louder. Say it louder. Content. Paul said, I've learned to be content. There's our key word. Satisfied, fulfilled, desiring less, don't need anything more. I'm very content. Verse 12, I know how to be abased. That is, I know how not to have very much. And I know how to abound. That is, I know how to have more than I even need. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's one of our favorite verses in the Bible, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But notice the context of that verse. The context is talking about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whether I have a little or whether I have a lot. Whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether my needs are being met or whether my needs don't seem to be being met, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I've learned the secret of being content and being satisfied, and it's a, it's a liberating thing, and it is a life-changing thing. Now, I want to make four different statements this morning about contentment, and the outline in your bulletin, we're going to just have to get to that next week because this was all going to be the introductory material before we got there. But I'm learning you don't like sermons that long. And so I'm trying to get them a little bit shorter. So uh, please, no clapping. No clapping is allowed on that. So this is going to be the best introduction to the sermon that you've ever heard. So let me make these statements about contentment. Number one, contentment is a wonderful, liberating thing. Or maybe I should say it this way. Contentment is a wonderfully liberating thing. In other words, when you can get to a place in your life where you say, I am content with what I have. I don't have to have more. I'm content now. One of the Bibles I like to look at at home and, and study is what it's called the Adrian Rogers uh, Legacy Bible. He was just a wonderful Christian pastor, lived for many years, and now he's in heaven. But in his study Bible on Philippians 4, there's an article by Dr. Rogers about, he called it divine contentment. And I want you to listen to these words. He said, Paul came to a place in his life, not a physical place, but a spiritual place, where he felt divine contentment. Most people think they know what contentment means, but in God's Word, it means, now here's a definition for contentment, self-contained, self-contained. In this passage, Paul thanked people for their love gifts to him, but he also wanted them to know he was not dependent upon them because God had brought him to a place of sufficiency in himself, that is, in Christ alone. That is, Paul was able to say, I have learned that I don't need anything or anybody else but the Lord. I have Him, therefore, I am self-contained. I am content. Now, 
he's not saying his, that he was self-sufficient. He wasn't saying his contentment came from Paul. He was saying that the contentment in his life was contained within Paul through his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's a, it's a wonderfully liberating thing to get to that place where you can say, where I can say, I don't need another person. I don't need another house. I don't need a newer car. I don't need more money in the bank. I don't need a newer job. I don't need any of those things in order to be satisfied and to be content. I have learned that contentment is an inside job. It is self-contained, and it comes, first of all, from my relationship with God, and then it comes from accepting the fact that I am in the part of of his pasture that he has placed me in at this time. And so I don't have to be in your, pa- your part of the pasture. I don't have to be in a bigger part of the pasture. I'm right here in this part of the pasture, and I'm content, and I'm satisfied. And I'm saying that is a wonderfully liberating thing. Now, the second thought I just jotted down about contentment, not only is it liberating, but contentment is possible. You may hear me talking about describe this, and you say, John... What you're describing is so far from how I'm living my life and how I think, I don't think that I could ever get to the place where Paul got to where he said, hey, I'm content. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else. I don't need my circumstances to change. But it's possible. Think about where Paul was when he wrote Philippians. He was in a Roman jail. He was in prison in Rome. And yet in prison, Paul was able to say, I have learned to be content. And so if Paul can be content in prison, most of us, if we had been where Paul was, would be thinking, God, I'm praying that you'll get me out of here. God, I know you can get me out of here. God, I'm praying for favor and blessing, so I'll get out of here. And God, if you can just get me out of here, I'll be thankful and I'll never complain again. Paul didn't pray like that. Paul said, God, you know I don't want to be in prison. There's a lot of better places I could be, a lot of things I'd rather be doing than being here. But God, I'm in prison right now. And see, Paul accepted that prison as part of his pasture at that time in his life. You say, well, why would God have put Paul in prison? Well, think about what Paul did in prison. Think of it this way. Had Paul never been in prison, we would not have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, 2 Timothy. Paul wrote all these books in prison. And so one of the reasons God placed Paul in that place was to slow Paul down and to give him an opportunity to hear God more clearly so he could write part of the Bible for us today. So he accepted that as part of God's pasture for him at that time. And also he knew in his heart that he was not alone in that prison, that Jesus Christ was right there with him. And so he's saying... Hey, I'm content, and he would say to us today, if I can be content in a Roman prison where it's dark and damp and dusty and and just really nasty, but if I can learn to be content there, you can be content while you're between jobs. You can be content in that apartment. You can be content even though everything about your personal life is not exactly like you wish it were at this time. Paul said, you can, you can learn to be content because I've learned it is possible to be content. And that is very encouraging to me to know that contentment is possible. The third thought I jotted down as I thought about contentment, not only is it liberating and not only is it possible, but contentment is learned. It's something we have to learn. We're not born being content. And we're not even 
born again being content. Those, after we get saved, we're not automatically content. We have to learn to be content, and we learn to be content by changing our perspective. Instead of focusing on what somebody else has or what we wish we have, we just say, God, look what you've given me. I'm thankful, I'm grateful, and I'm satisfied with that. Yesterday when I was doing some reading, I, I read a little, little story that I thought was pretty good. It's the story of, an, of a farmer, and here's what it says. This farmer had lived on the same farm all of his life. It was a good farm, but with the passing of years, the farmer began to tire of it. He longed for a change, for something better. Every day he found a new reason for criticizing some feature of the old place. Finally, he decided to sell, and he listed the farm with a real estate agent who promptly prepared a sales advertisement. As one might expect, it emphasized all the farm's advantages, ideal location, modern equipment, healthy stock, acres of fertile ground, and on and on the ad went. Before placing the ad in the newspaper, the realtor called the farmer and read the copy to him for his approval. When he had finished reading it, the farmer cried out, hold everything. I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sell. I've been looking for a place like that all my life. (laughs) And so there was something about when the farmer heard somebody else describing the blessing that he already had, he said, why would I leave here? What had happened to that farmer? Same thing that happens to us. He'd been on that farm a long time. He said, man, I'm tired of all these animals. I'm tired of having to, to... fix up the barn. I'm tired of all these things. I want to live somewhere else. But when he started looking at that from a different perspective, he said, wait a second. This is my dream home. This is my dream world. I've been looking for a place like that all of my life. And so he learned contentment by changing his perspective. And that's how we learn contentment too. You don't just focus on what somebody else has. You focus on what God has given you, and you realize that whatever God has given you, that is your part of His pasture for right now. Will it change as life goes on? Probably so. Will you get a newer house, a a newer car, maybe a better? Probably, yes, as you go on in life and as you go on with God, the odds are there will be some things that will change. But for right now, you say, in Jesus Christ first, I have everything I need. And not only that, because of all these blessings that he's given me, the truth is, I have all I need right now. And so contentment is something we learn, and it's not something we're born with. And we don't even get it when we first get saved. We learn it by changing our perspective on life, how we look at life and how we think about life. You know, one of the things that will help us on that is instead of envying other people's blessings to start being thankful to God for other people's blessings. I heard, again, to quote Adrian Rogers again, I just read from his study Bible, but I heard him say one time that he had started doing something that had really helped him. When he would go in somebody's house, and they had a bigger house than he and his wife had, instead of envying that house, or instead of wishing he had that house, he would just silently, didn't even close his eyes, didn't say anything out loud, but he would just silently pray and say, God, thank you that you have blessed this family with this house. You see, and if, if all we do is go in a bigger house and say, how can I have a house like this? We're never going to be content. But when we can learn to rejoice over somebody else's blessing, 
That makes it easier to rejoice over ours and to be thankful for what God has given us. But that's a lot easier said than done because contentment is something that we have to learn. Well, as I said in that message, contentment is not something we're born with. And even when we get born again, we're still not necessarily content. Contentment is something that we have to learn as we go through life. And the best way to learn to be content is to learn to be grateful for all the blessings that God has given to you. I want to give you an assignment today that I think will be, that will be helpful and, and uh, I think it will help you to become a more content and satisfied person. Throughout the course of this day, find as many things as you can to be thankful for. If you're a Christian, that's the first thing you should be thankful for is that you have Jesus living in your heart. If you have good health and strength, that's something else you should be thankful for. If you have a good family, that'd be a, that's a tremendous blessing, or a good job. If you have a house, if you have a car, if you have uh, money to go uh, buy a meal at a restaurant, food to eat, I encourage you for the remainder of this day, find as many things as you can to be thankful for. And just throughout the day, thank God for those blessings. I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. I hope you'll be with us next time.